Welcome to the Say Network podcast. I'm Megan, and I'm here with Jim Sparks. Hello. And Abraham Guevara. And we have a really great episode for you guys today. Uh, we are sitting down with our territorial commander, Commissioner Ken Hodder, and we are going to learn more about his props, process, I can't talk today, of preparation. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that he is actually a really good preparer. He prepares very thoroughly for different speaking engagements and different things. He's really good at the art of preparation. So we're going to sit down and we're going to talk to him all about his process, everything from speaking to large groups in Kenya and um, from that until how he handles, you know, things like nerves and stuff like that, um, preparation techniques, that kind of thing. I don't think he has nerves. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of them. <laughs> uh, before we get into the episode, uh, we just want to take a minute and share a few youth culture resources for you. So, Jim, Abraham, who would like to go first? Uh, feel free to go first. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the case. Um, National Institute of Health has... Uh, it's doing a landmark screen time study. Um, there's a lot of talk about screen time and youth development and how much kids get and what. And uh, you can see, to me, it's kind of a, a, an alarming trend of if you go out to a restaurant, how many kids are just watching movies while their families are eating. Um, it's a simple thing of just sitting at the table, you guys could talk. It's not that big of a deal, but um, you see it a lot. But they, uh, they got a $300 million study. They're going to be following 11,000 children and they have test site test sites across the United States. And so it's early and it's, so there's no like hard data coming out just yet, but, um, the kids will sit in the MRI machine and they've rigged their Instagram feeds in the MRI. Cause you can't obviously bring your phone in there. And so they're scrolling through their Instagram feeds and monitoring how their brain reacts to, uh, their Instagram, uh, feed and it's it's really interesting and so i just wanted to highlight here in this uh last paragraph uh the first wave is 4500 participants researchers noted significant changes in the brains the children's brain development if they have more than seven hours of screen time a day mm. now i think seven hours of screen time that seems sounds insane, like a lot but now the new feature on your iphone will tell you how many hours you do uh, on your phone a day and I didn't think I was on it that much, but obviously when I'm, I carpool, so that's an hour, an hour, I think I spent a lot of time on the phone because mine was like four hours a day. I'm like, I don't feel like I'm on it four hours a day. Now, some of that is streaming like a, like a podcast. If you're listening to a podcast, it's considered on it. Especially this podcast. Well, probably. <laughs> that's usually what I'm not, listening huh. to. I, I really like the way we sound. But, um, <laughs> but seven hours doesn't seem crazy when you start breaking it down. Um, but uh, let's see, they had uh, lower test scores and uh, lower scores on language and thinking tests. Uh, other outcomes will be coming out as this uh, goes on. So that's something we'll be wanting to watch um, as it goes through all of 2019. But uh, the early signs are showing that it's, uh, it's troubling for learning development and uh, for language and tests. So. Mm. Uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating that they got that much money for uh, something like this. Mm. Will it change something? <laughs> I don't know. I hope so uh, because I don't know. It's it is it is. It seems like you're abandoning your children at times when they just, especially at the meal. Like at the meal, it's like go ahead and eat together as a family, and yeah. they're not. They're there, but they're not part of the family. I don't know, it's my own little pet peeve. I noticed. I started feeling a little convicted the other day. Uh, my daughter 
has my two-year-old. She has a toy phone, uh, and she brought it to the table. And I was looking at her. I was like, hey, no phones at the table. And I was looking at my phone sitting there. <laughs> oh, no. This isn't just out of a vacuum. This is, this is learned behavior. Yeah. She's been watching. Yeah. So, I, yeah, we've had to, like, be a little more strict. We, we, we waver. We do well, and then all of a sudden we kind of start messing up. But, yeah. I've noticed, like, um, when I, I I go out to a restaurant or something, I see it a lot. You know, the kid will be in a high chair, headphones on, you know, watching a movie or something. Um, I, I'm curious, is that statistic, like, at home, or is that just when they're out, or just screen time in general? I think it's just screen time in general. It's whenever they get a chance. It's the babysitter. Um, we're, we're struggling in our house of screen time. We, we're pretty regimented, scheduled, like, what they can uh, do, and it's usually about 30 minutes uh, a day. And, uh, but with homework being such a part of like, they have to use Google docs for everything now. And, and they have links on YouTube that they have to watch and different things. And I'm like, yeah, is that Mm. screen time? Is that learning? Like, where, where do we stand on that? Mm. Because I know what my kids will say. That's learning (laughs) (laughs) and they'll work that. But, uh, it's, it's interesting you, uh, Commissioner, you had to deal with screen time uh, with Jessica growing up? Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> particularly in the li- in light of the fact that when we were in Kenya, uh, Jessica didn't have many uh, young people that she could play with on a regular basis. So she would often go into screen screen time and Facebook and everything else uh, just to stay in touch with everybody back home. Yeah. So it, was, it became a big issue. Hmm. And uh, that's a very interesting study that you referenced because there are a lot of books that are coming out now which are talking about the impact of screen time, even on the human thinking process and what that might be, mean for the long term. So hmm. uh, I know it's going to be a very interesting uh, uh, result that we're going to yeah. re- receive from all of that. I, it's fascinating. And, and I I don't think they should stop with that study. I think adults have issues. Uh, Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. So uh, well, the link will be in the uh, description and uh, and we'll do a follow-up when it comes out. Yeah. Cool. Uh, mine's a, just a resource. Uh, it's Visual Media Church. Uh, they have an Instagram page you should go follow. Go check out if you're into media, if you want to spice things up, if you want ideas for your stage, uh, go check them out. They also have a website called uh, Visual Church, uh, visualmediachurch.com, and we'll put it in the link in the description. Uh, and so, yeah, this stuff is if you want some creativity, if you, uh, you're kind of running dry, you don't know what's going on, um, or you just want some inspiration, uh, go check them out on Instagram or go check out their uh, website. So, yeah, Visual Church Media. Spend about seven hours a day on that site. <laughs> <laughs> Meet your quota. Uh, mine is a little old school, I guess. Uh, it's about an actual physical book that I'm reading right now. What? Good I know, for you. I know. I'm Good that person. For you. Does, that, does that have paper in it? It does, <laughs> and you get to turn the page, and I just love it. <laughs> um, so right now, is I, it flannel graph? Is that the same no, thing? No, but we should bring that back. I'm just saying. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I have to give a special shout out to Shalini Danielson because she let me know about this book. This book is called Letters to the Church, and it's by Francis Chan. I think it just came out in 2018, and uh, it's really interesting. It's a book about um, just, you know, how church— uh, Francis Chan is basically talking about some observations he's made about um, the importance of getting back to the the core of what church is about. So a lot of times, you know, you go to to church and there's a production and fancy lights and a really great speaker and all these different things. But he's talking. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
And um, he's talking about the importance of getting back to to just like um, reverence for God and prayer. Like when was the last time we were excited to pray together? Uh, mm. It just got so excited mm. about that, you know? So um, it's really good. I'm only three chapters in right now, but uh, I highly recommend it. If you, I'll, I'll put a link to um, to the book, but um, so far it's, it's just been really engaging, really, really good, really interesting. And um, yeah, just really thought provoking as well. Hmm. Sounds good. All right. Excellent. Hey, Ram. Take it away. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, we Do you want to segue us into the into the interview part? Yeah. Why don't you segue that? Yeah. Sure. Um, well, we are really excited to have Commissioner Hodder with us. Commissioner, thank Th- you for being with us. Oh, it's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And we are going to um, just ask you a little bit more about your preparation process. We're curious. We have a lot of questions, and so Abraham. You have some questions for us? Terrific. Uh, Commissioner, you're very busy, I'm assuming, right? Oh, I have a lot to do, Abraham, <laughs> absolutely. But nothing more important than coming here today. <laughs> awesome. Sounds very good. Uh, so uh, we, we wanted to get into the topic of uh, preparation. And, uh, and with the busy schedule, uh, sometimes that's something I think it's easy to forget when it comes to like doing presentation for people. And sometimes we could uh, just, you could say, for lack of a better way of saying it, fly by the seat of our pants, but you're a man who likes to prepare. So um, why is preparation important to you when it comes to public speaking? Well, there are a number of things to keep in mind. I think first and foremost, uh, you have to keep in mind what you're going to be talking about. And for me and for youth leaders generally, we're talking about the most significant topic that there could possibly be, and that Mm. is an individual's relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, bringing them to that relationship or helping them to develop that relationship. So that has to be the number one reason why preparation is important. Any speech that you have not prepared is a wasted opportunity to lead someone to a stronger relationship with Christ. Uh, And my conviction, at least for my own life, is that I will never waste an opportunity to touch someone for Christ. So preparation becomes absolutely critical for me. Uh, I spend uh, at least two weeks a year doing nothing but preparing for the coming months. I'll usually do one week in the spring and then one week in the fall, and I'll do the the germs of 15 or 20 messages Mm. in the course of that week. Because if I don't do that, then my mind is not attuned to all the things that I'll hear and the things that I'll see in the coming weeks. Uh, And I want to be attuned to those so that I can add them and build out the messages as I go and I'm ready uh, ready to talk with people. So really it's a matter of priority, Hmm. I think, making that speaking opportunity number one uh, so that you don't waste uh, a chance to tell them about Christ. Kind of make you uh, more efficient in, in what you're saying. Uh, you, you want to be more efficient, but it's not just efficiency. It's the impact. It's hmm. the power of what you want to say. It's not simply that it's a well-organized presentation, but that it has uh, a, a meaning that's going to last beyond the couple of minutes that you have to share it. Yeah, that's good. Wow. Um, so you do a lot of public speaking across the territory. Yes. Um, when you were in Kenya, I imagine you spoke to a really large groups of people. Uh, what's the largest group of people that you've spoken to? About 25,000. Wow. That's a lot of people. <laughs> That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. How did you feel talking to that many people? The nerves? Or, were, were... Well, well, first of all, as to nervousness, uh, I don't know of any good public speaker who doesn't feel a little nervous when he or she speaks. Yeah. If you don't have a few butterflies in your stomach, 
then you're not going to be at your very best when you actually do speak. Um, uh, I don't know that when you get to numbers like 25,000, it's any different than speaking to even small groups. Again, the significance of the issue uh, the, that you're talking about. Um, but you do recognize that when you get groups that large, the dynamics of the group change, the uh, level of receptivity, the number of distractions that can exist. So you do have to be more conscious as the group grows of how you're going to overcome those additional elements that will introduce themselves. Hmm. And that's, for example, uh, one reason that uh, I always believe it's best for an individual either to memorize their message or to have only a couple of notes yeah. uh, that they take with them. Because uh, as you said earlier, Jim, it's so easy to get distracted by uh, screen time. Uh, and you can stand in front of a group and start to speak. And if you lose them, you know that moment has reached the moment they're looking down at their phones. Mm. And I refuse to let them go. Uh, if I feel I have something useful to share, uh, I don't want them looking at their phones. So I will do everything I can to maintain eye contact with them so that they don't feel free to turn their eyes uh, away from me <laughs> while I'm speaking. Uh, it's, it's a matter of trying to hold them in. Yeah. So as groups grow, the demands of, uh, of holding on to them become greater. Yeah. You, you said memorization is, is one technique. Is there any other sort of... Oh, yes. I think there are several things. Uh, I think there really are four or five different factors that you want to keep involved when you prepare. The first thing is you always want to have just one theme. Uh, you never want to try to give a message in which you say, okay, friends, we're going to be looking today at the 12 different dimensions of <laughs> sanctification. Uh, well, you're going to lose them by the end of the... It's going to be a long trip. It's yeah. going to be a long trip. And they know it's going to be a long trip. I'm already lost. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's when the phones come out. Yeah. Okay, that's when the phones mm -hmm. come out. So you want to pick one theme. Uh, you want to maintain a strong thread for that theme throughout. And you want to make that thread memorable. I think the second thing that you want to keep in mind is when you prepare, think in terms of word pictures. Don't think in terms of concepts. If you talk about concepts, you will lose people. But if you tell a story and you, uh, uh, you speak in terms of an image that they can call up in their own mind, you'll hold people longer and make a deeper impression. Third thing I try to keep in mind is simple language. Uh, you always want to try to use words that uh, uh, originate in the Latin as opposed to the Greek. For example, you want to talk about um, uh, simple things rather than the virtues of simplicity. Uh, mm -hmm. Even in the references to the words, you get a different feel, a different sense. It, people make a mistake quite often by believing that if you use big words, you're going to demonstrate how uh, well you have mastered the subject and that therefore they must listen to you. Well, they won't do that at all. <laughs> they will simply check out mm -hmm. completely. So you use simple words. Uh, the other thing, uh, there are two more things I guess I would keep in mind. First of all, be short. Mm. Um, we live in a TED Talk world. We could just yeah. speak on behalf of a lot of people and say amen on that. Amen, yeah. that's right. Be short. Now, it used to be that people said that sermonettes made Christianettes. Hmm. Uh, that uh, you had to speak 30 to 40 minutes 
in order to really get it across. But an effective speaker is going to adapt to the environment in which he or she speaks. And in this current environment, uh, you're not going to be able to hold people for that length of time. At least I don't think there are many people who can hold yeah. uh, the attention of an audience for that length of time. So you want to think in terms of, uh, of a maximum, at least I believe, of a maximum of 10 to 18 minutes. Hmm. Uh, and you want to uh, uh, use those 18 minutes uh, to the best advantage. Last thing is uh, you always want to end with a strong ending, a memorable ending. People might forget the middle of your message, but they will remember the opening and they will remember the ending. And so those are the things that I try to keep in mind when I'm, when I'm constructing a message. Yeah, that's really good. I, I, it's interesting that you're talking about um, using the time and, and kind of being more mindful of those things. And you can't just go up on stage and do this off the fly. This does seem like it needs preparation to follow these four. You, you have to do this. Yeah. And then you have to make it appear uh, uh, natural yeah. and easy. Yeah. Uh, but that is the hardest kind of a message to deliver. Yeah. Um, to develop little phrases that will stick in the mind it takes a lot of work, but it really pays off. For example, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. is one of my favorite preachers. Mm. And I will listen to him speak on the old recordings all the time. And you'll remember that portion of the I Have a Dream speech in which he says, uh, I dream that my four little children will one day live in a country where they are judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their characters. Well, that alliteration, those C's that hmm. keep coming up, took time to hone. He gave that speech probably 15 to 20 times around the country before he ever gave it at the mm. Washington really? Memorial. So he developed that and honed that, and yet it comes across as very natural and normal. So if people feel that they can just stand up and say, well, I'm going to let the Spirit of the Lord <laughs> work through me today, uh, we pray that the Lord always works through us, but you're not maximizing the opportunity if you haven't prepared. Yeah, we, we've talked about this, about comedians all the time. Yeah. This comes up in how uh, they like to work their material before they do like a big special. Absolutely. And I'm like, why not Christian pastors and churches? Like there's something there that needs to be honed in and, and worked on. It's like a craft. Yes, kind of, yeah. that's right. And so you workshop uh, uh, yeah. messages. And so uh, I will sometimes go back to messages that I use very, very early in my Salvation Army career. And I will say, well, you know, this works, but this doesn't work, and try to reformulate it for a new uh, audience, for a new generation. And uh, very often, the result is far better than if I had started from scratch. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, one more thing. Uh, when you were a cadet, uh, I, did you ever imagine yourself speaking to these groups and in and, and, and large groups and going out around the world and being used by God in that way. Did you imagine that? or how did no, no. You know, you just imagine that you are going to be used in some way yeah. by the Lord, and you want to be used yeah. in any way that the Lord has in mind. But no, when I was a cadet, I was convinced I was going to uh, be in a little core over the course of my career, uh, that I would have wonderful little congregations, and I would help them grow up in, in, uh, in the Lord. I never imagined... Uh, speaking internationally. I certainly never imagined speaking in Swahili. 
to congregations in Kenya. So it was a real surprise, but uh, praise the Lord, I've had that chance. Awesome. So I don't know how many people know this, but prior to becoming a Salvation Army officer, you were a lawyer and you practiced law. How long did you practice law for? I practiced for three years. For three years? Yes. And I'm just curious, I would imagine speaking to a courtroom and preparing for a courtroom versus um, like a Salvation Army speaking engagement are a little bit different. Like what are the differences between those kind of two uh, audiences and how do you prepare Mm. differently for different audiences that you speak to? Wow. Okay. Well, first of all, First of all, yes. Commissioner Bell was undefeated in the courtroom. <laughs> I don't want to put any pressure on you. No, no, no pressure. He at didn't all. have any wins either, <laughs> but <laughs> no. he did not have a loss. <laughs> so go ahead. When, when you're speaking in court, uh, if you're speaking to the court, in other words, to the judge, uh, you are generally not going to be delivering uh, a coherent speech. You're going to be responding to interruptions from the judge trying to articulate your position through all the questions that he or she has. So you don't have the chance to really craft it the same way that you do when you have a congregation. If you're speaking to a jury, then you do have a little bit more of that emotional element, but you have to be very careful about uh, objections uh, from the other side, which will be taken at every opportunity so as to interrupt the flow of your of your presentation. So you have to perhaps be a bit more defensive in your preparation process when you're speaking in court. But when you're speaking uh, uh, to congregations, that doesn't mean that, that you're off the leash. You have to be very careful about your consistency with Scripture. You have to be very careful about uh, honoring their time and the program as a whole. So there are differences and subtleties, and that's true for any audience. Speaking to an advisory board is going to be different from speaking to your youth group, which is different from speaking to your Sunday congregation, which is different from speaking to the Chamber of Commerce. But a Salvation Army leader, youth leader or otherwise, is going to have a chance to do all of it. And over time, you'll learn how to approach each one. Uh, just going back to, um, we talked a little bit about nervousness and how to kind of combat, you know, some of those like nerves and anxious um, feelings and stuff that go along with public speaking. I, I know for me, I, for some reason, get really nervous speaking to like middle schoolers and high schoolers. I don't know why it like takes me back to <laughs> high school or something. I'm curious, is there a particular audience that kind of makes you nervous that are most nervous? You know, I, it's tough to admit this on a podcast of this nature. (laughs) But the audience that I find the most difficult without question is young teenagers. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. From your nods around the table, uh, I think you agree with me. Yeah, and we hear that actually a lot, um, particularly from groups, uh, from, from people who will speak to older audiences regularly. Yeah. And um, and then they come to speak to teenagers, and yes. you could see it's it's rattled them up a little bit going into it. Well, just going to a youth councils, you know, you're walking into a world in which they're not entirely sure about uh, the speaker, mm-hmm. and you're not entirely sure about where they are, and so you don't have that instant connection, though you know what you want to achieve and you know uh, uh, what you want them to feel as a consequence of your message, but boy, it is tough to make that connection. 
this is one reason why I think in the Army we're very wise to use youth councils in a way that is judged to be the most effective, whether or not that includes a message by the cabinet member who happens to be there or or by a senior leader, if the most effective way to reach those particular young people is someone that they all respect and admire, regardless of the position of that person, then uh, certainly the Army would want to make use of that just to reach them. So you you keep trying. I certainly keep trying, but uh, that's my toughest. Just be the genuine you. That's, be, just that's all you can do. I mean, yep. we've we've watched we've watched people, and we we're guilty ourselves of maybe kind of putting on a little stick to try to yep. butter them up or try to get them on your side. And I mean, I've failed enough to know that just they just want you to be you, and yep. and that's who they're going to learn from. They're going to learn from you, your experiences, and your a little bit of transparency. Um, and uh, and you're more comfortable when you're up there that way. Cause that's the thing they, maybe that's why it's a tough crowd is cause we know that they could spot fake right away. Smell fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, and, and cause a lot of it is they don't care. They don't care yeah. who's up there. They, they, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't matter who it is. They just want someone who's genuine, who's going to speak to them like they're humans. Oh, and, uh, yeah. and, uh, and it's kind of a weird thing to think of it that way. It's just like, yeah, we'll just go up and give them a message and, Sit down. And, yeah. and that's right. And leave the rest of the Lord. Any time that I ever tried to use the language that I thought was uh, <laughs> was, was appropriate, it has fallen flat. Yeah. Yeah. It has been just disastrous. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I've listened to many, many people give uh, messages to teenagers and I start cringing when they start using their language or perceived because what they may think a word means doesn't necessarily mean that. And I've watched, I've watched oh. some very, very poor examples happen <laughs> and talk about losing an audience. If you say the wrong one, it's over. It doesn't matter. You should just pray it out and get out of there and chalk it up as a bust. Right. The, the, me, the definitions change so rapidly. You yeah. can't possibly keep up. Yep. No, it's true. <laughs> so believe me, I understand that entirely. So every time I'm going to speak to a youth audience from now on, Jim, I think I'll deliver it to you first. And you can <laughs> uh, well, I have offered that service to other people yes. that I'm like, if you're making up words or <laughs> speaking <laughs> phrases, just a little email to me and I'll write back and say, yes, go ahead. Or definitely please do not ever say that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a sad day in the army when I become a filter for people. Yes. <laughs> Many have said that too, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just kind of piggybacks off a little bit. It's not in our official questions, but uh, like there is a time I was speaking at Y and I, uh, and which is a tent on a beach in uh, uh, in Oahu. And as I was speaking, I. Uh, there were so many distractions going on around that I was really having a hard time. I, I, I hadn't prepared properly enough, particularly for that environment, because there's one thing yep. to prepare a message, but you have to prepare for the environment as well. Right. But I lost it when a chicken ran through the tent, <laughs> and I could not get it back together again. Like, I, I was so rattled. And, and, you know, when you speak enough, you, you mentioned earlier, you could see people's face. You could see their That's reaction. Right. You, you could see them check out. Right. That's right. Uh has that happened to you? Has tell, tell us about a time where you just like, there was some sort of distraction where it just threw everything off for you. Oh, absolutely. Well, that happened in Kenya a couple of times. Uh, and it happens, it happens regularly 
uh, here in the United States as well. Um, uh, you mentioned a chicken running across. For me, it was a goat. <laughs> uh, I had I had a goat walk across, and it was a bleating goat. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so so it you was can't making noise. With a uh, what goat. am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? So that <laughs> certainly happened to me. And uh, I don't know. How did you handle that? Did you did you say, well, let's pray? And, oh yeah, uh, I prayed. Call, call it call it all to an end. Or I, how yeah, did you do full that? Full transparency. I started. I'm like, I I was through point two, and I got. Uh, I was like, I I. No one's listening. Like they they were like talking to each other at that point, and yeah. Uh, yeah. so I said, let's just pray. And I just look over, and Rob Nolan's just laughing, and uh, knowing that I, I lost. You couldn't pull the chicken into the message. No, no. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no. Uh, yeah, it's tough, and just managing distractions. But when you're prepared, then you're able to. You're confident in your material enough to maybe handle that a little bit. Well, better. that's absolutely true. If you are prepared and you have captured their attention with a story or an image or a challenge uh, or a phrase and you don't look away too much, you don't look down at your iPad. By the way, I should say that using an iPad is probably the most, in my judgment, uh, uh, distracting means of carrying your notes with you. and I can go into that separately if you wish. But. <laughs> that's a new podcast right yeah, there. That's, 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 right. that's a whole episode. Yeah. But if but if you if you've grabbed them, then your mind is starting to work in this direction and you've prepared it and you just power through it. And you just you, you uh, shut yourself off to some of those distractions and you try to maintain contact and stay on focus. So you can develop that over time as well. Yeah. Uh, the nice part with the Salvation Army is they do offer you those opportunities to have chickens and goats running through your messages. That, that, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and so and you thank the Lord for those sometimes yeah. because they do help make you a better speaker. And you raise an interesting point, Jim, because when you have a flop, uh, and we've all had flops in terms of our messages, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you go back in and you do it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has um, has Commissioner Jolene ever kind of nodded you off on something that you were talking about? She's like, nah, you shouldn't be talking about that. She has been one of my best critics and one of my best advisors over the entire course of our ministry. Nice. Um, when I first started out uh, as an officer, I would give uh, highly theological messages. And my wife came up to me uh, one day after uh, a particularly bad one. And she said, sweetheart, she said, you have to change the way you speak. And I was a little offended. What do you mean I need to change the way that I speak? She said, you have to speak more in terms that the home league ladies can understand. (laughs) And I didn't know what she meant. But what she meant was stories, real life situations, practicality. She was absolutely right. Mm. So I owe her a great debt of gratitude over the years. And even today, she'll uh, she'll tell me after an occasion uh, on what areas she felt I did well and on what areas I need to improve, (laughs) which is good. Uh, my wife has done the same. <laughs> One time she's like, what are you doing? I go, uh, I'm writing a couple of jokes for this wedding that I was emceeing. She goes, uh, let me see those real quick. So she grabbed the paper and she goes, 
don't ever read these. <laughs> she goes, I'm not even looking at them. She goes, when you write them down, they're terrible. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Commissioner, many of our listeners are youth workers and find themselves in a position where they are leading devotions, prayer, and even preaching. What advice would you give them on preparing for these responsibilities? Mm-hmm. These are, uh, in a lot of cases, it's the first time kind of putting themselves out there. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think we've articulated a couple of things already. Uh, be yourself. Be confident that you have studied the word so you're interpreting it correctly. And then do the best you can to determine what that audience is going to be thinking about, concerned with, and interested in before you stand up. Hmm. If you can do just those basics, you'll go a long way to hitting them where they need to be hit. Yeah. Preparation and study is not while driving to the core. Is that right? Uh, no, it is not. <laughs> no, it is not. Saturday night specials are not to be <laughs> Saturday night specials. Not, not to be uh, uh, emulated at all. That's no. Funny. Are there uh, speakers that uh, you look up to that you you're particularly drawn? We heard Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. Certainly, although uh, uh, I've never heard him, the speeches of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I reread those. Winston Churchill is mm. one that I love to hear. In terms of preachers, my favorite, I think, would be Tim Keller, mm. uh, whose uh, messages are both uh, intellectually challenging and yet very engaging. He mm. has a marvelous way of melding the two. I'm always challenged by Tim Keller, and I'm always uh, enriched having heard him. Nice. Now, we talked about comedians, favorite comedian. Ooh. <laughs> Let's see. My favorite comedian. I'm going to go George Carlin on this guy. <laughs> you know, I kind of like Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Tim, Tim Allen. Allen. That's strong. That's pretty, that pretty good. Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty good. I think he's a pretty good. That's pretty strong. Of course, just the other night I saw Santa Claus too, so maybe that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now that you're a grandfather, you're going to start running through all of those <laughs> yeah. uh, movies. That's right. That's right. Uh, and I'm looking forward to all of them. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Well, Commissioner, we just want to say thank you so much for sharing your preparation process with us. Um, Anything we talked about in the episode will be linked in the show notes. And um, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If there's any other topics or questions or areas you'd like us to explore, um, feel free to send us a message either on our Facebook or Instagram or on Say Network. Um, You can contact us, I guess, at uh, sayconnect.com. No, say say connect at gmail.com. I don't know why it always makes this two up. Um, Yeah, and thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dad.